Panic disorder, rage, severe depression On top of all that, I'm stressing uh -huh. Took a blind date to my therapy session And then tried to kill her Her first impression was I'm groovy I gotta be, I need a lumbotomy yes. But when I press play, trouble leaves up out of me Fuck the real world and my fat ass stuck in Cause in my music, hotties are fucking Woo. expression Getting out all I wrote Depression, ripping out all your throat And if my hearing was ever to go Mass murder would be inevitable I'm a Welcome back to another episode of Maniacal Music Musings. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy. And you could say I'm a raven trial, just trying to spread my wings and fly through this terrain we call the Earth. It's all about the starlight and alchemy of this Earth and how it comes together that makes us. It really is. Now, I didn't take any lavender yet today, but maybe eventually I will before I go to bed. Or maybe I'll just wait and bleed so I can spit it out, you know. It's all how the way it goes. But let me, of course, introduce my co-host. He is a very special man. He's surfacing as we speak, trying to get ready for the show. He's liberated, and he's just dying to open that book of shallows and unleash the maniac inside. Motherfucking Chancey Grife. Hi. <laughs> yes. And... Listeners and watchers, today we have a special episode for you. I'll explain in a little bit why it's going to be so special, but I will say this. Our guest today, I'm very excited to have, our, our guest is Rick Delarada, and I hope I said that right. But Yes, very good. Yes, I'm Italian, so I, I hope I could get it working. But, yeah, excellent. <laughs> but Rick is a jazz pianist, a vocalist, composer, and so much more. But first, thanks for us before we get into everything he is. How are you doing tonight, Rick? Pretty good, thanks. Uh, thanks for being here. I mean, thanks for inviting me. It's uh, a very unique uh, a very unique hour we're having here. Oh, it is going to be unique. Because, yeah. folks, usually our guests bring an album that inspired them or that they love, or their own album, even. We've had that happen before. But this week, me and Sir Chance a lot brought our own albums, and our guest is going to do a little improvisation to try to match our albums in his own style. Which, honestly, when Rick told me this idea, I was ecstatic because I was like, "That sounds like such a cool thing that we haven't done before. That it might make this episode a little different for everybody." And I'm excited about that. So, we'll see how that goes. But first things first. Well, let me ask you this, Rick: What got you into playing music to begin with? Uh, you know, basically what really got me into it was I, um, a giant like thing came into the house on Christmas Eve that I thought was brought in by Santa Claus. And, uh, it turned out it was, they were trying to get a piano through the front door. And I thought the heavy set guy trying to push it was Santa. And I couldn't really watch him cause I was like, you know, sneaking around. My parents didn't want me to try to catch Santa. I wanted to catch him coming, you know in the chimney or however he does it. And uh, so it was like, uh, you know, it, it was a little competition with my parents. They, I didn't, I wanted to like spy on them, but I didn't want them to see me. So I got a glimpse of what was going on down there. And I thought, well, that's Santa and he's bringing this thing in. I'll find out what it is in the morning. And it turned to be a piano. So that's nice. Started. Nice. I mean, and as someone who runs a paranormal podcast, I will say that we believe Santa goes through dimensions, but yeah, uh, well, as, as far as we know, but who who really knows? He's a, he's a mythical, magical being, and it's a mystery. It always will be, hopefully. 
but true. And so uh, basically, uh, you know, what kept me going was just a. I liked music in general. Like, you know, the music uh, that my friends listened to on the radio and all that. Uh, and then I started, you know, getting opportunities to get paid as a kid to play music, which were, you know, like more money than I was making at my paper route. So I just figured, you know, I'll just roll with this, you know. Um, I mean, it's something that I'd like to do, so I'll just keep rolling. I'll just like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Exactly. Right. Don't, don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's a, that's a good motto. All right. Well, have you put, and I like to ask this of musicians on this show, have you played along anybody that's world famous that we would all know the name of if you said it? Well, I did start playing with well-known people uh, when I got into college. Uh, I went to Boston, New England Conservatory, so not too far from you out there. And um, uh, let's see, I think the first well-known name I played was like a 1950s band called The Platters. They had some hits back in the 50s. Yes, they did. I've heard of them. They still had one guy that was alive, and I was like kind of, you know, uh, the pianist for the platters playing on these these ships and the Caribbean and kind of stuff like that. And then I was in a big band that was also famous way back in the day called the Artie Shaw Orchestra. And I've heard of that name. Yeah, he was, you know, Artie Shaw, this is back in the day when musicians used to get paid the way that um athletes get paid today you know what i mean so now you like you see this like you know this little kid with like a gun or whatever on the memphis grizzlies he's getting like 195 million dollars or whatever you know he plays really well but i mean you know there are musicians that play their instruments better than he plays basketball you know but anyway um you know this guy already Shaw was making like the super big money like michael jordan kind of money back in the 1930s whatever it was so, you know, that in those days, musicians got paid, you know, super big money. I mean, I yeah. guess Led Zeppelin and those guys were making super big bucks. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's kind of weird. It's like only now it's like, unless you're like, uh, I don't know, maybe the Rolling Stones still get money, but they're in their 80s. I don't know. It, if it's they get, the same. It, it's like, seems like, you know, artists, it's like a disconnect now with the arts. But... Artie Shaw was the big star, like the super big star back in the day. And then his big band, because they were so famous, the big man just kept playing and touring even when he was too old to play in it. So, and the other one in jazz, you might know this name, was uh, Dizzy Gillespie. The that's, more down, yeah. that's, that's more down Chancey's line of uh, music than mine. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've heard of that name for sure. Right. So, uh, basically, I was in Boston and... Um, I get this phone call and I'm kind of in this uh, almost like a frat house sort of, um, you know, roommate situation with some really wacky, crazy, you know, how kids are in high school and in, in college. They're crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It was like uh, it was like animal house, like John Belushi kind of thing. So, you know, we were always playing tricks on each other and the phone rings is like the guy, guy on the other end is like, Hey man, uh, I got to tell you something. My, my father owns this jazz club and he just got shot. That's the first thing the person said. So while I'm already thinking which one of my asshole friends is playing a joke on me, you know, says that, that my father got shot and his best friend is the only person that I have to go by. And I've got to run this jazz club and we got these people coming in and he, his my father's best friend recommended you to call to, to you know, be an opening act for some of these acts. 
And I, I'm like, what the fuck? And I didn't like, like, I wanted to like, you know, just, you know, scream and yell, you asshole, fucker, motherfucker, and hang up. But I couldn't because I wasn't, I didn't know for sure. I thought it was this guy we used to call the Royal Wino. He was, uh, he drank a lot of wine, played amazing trombone, and played pranks on people. So I thought it was, and that was his title, and the, the Kingdom of Fredonia was his role. We all had titles. I was the prime minister. We had this other guy who was the king. And the royal wino was the guy I wanted to kill for playing this prank on me. But, like, the guy's talking, and I'm like, well, I did used to call up this old man because he was, like, the only person that would talk to me, and he'd ask me about my music and what I was doing, blah, blah. Freaking thing was for real, and I ended up being an opening act and MC for Dizzy Gillespie. Nice. Nice. I mean, funny, funny how things work out in life. It really is, but... I mean, unfortunate circumstances, nonetheless, but still. <laughs> yeah. Then I did, I played a lot of famous venues, uh, but a lot of those I played either like in the house band or when I became a band leader and started, you know, with my own records, you know, I would play places like the Blue Note and, you know, um, I don't know, uh, well-known venues. I'd have to, I, there's a list of them somewhere, but, you know, and traveling around the world and stuff, a lot of different countries, a lot of crazy stuff. All right. Well, that's impressive. I mean, I, I, I was looking at your website. I'm like, wow, this guy has been around the world and he's done stuff that I can only dream of doing him. I mean, to work on a cruise ship is always been one of my dreams. I mean, I, I a little bit less now than when I was a kid because I've heard horrible stories about how staff get treated on those things. But Well, that's the thing. A lot of times musicians, they get finally get on a cruise ship and they're like sleeping in the basement, you know, with like some yeah. kind of, a, you know. Uh, you know what I mean? Like a, uh, all kinds of weird, they can't like do this. They can't do that. They have all this protocol. But when I was with the platters, we were on the like star, uh, the star, the star deck, you know what I mean? With yeah. like Wolfman Jack and these other like top entertainers. And the crazy thing is I had never played a note with the platters. They called me because the piano player had a problem with his visa. So I they fly me down to Miami and I and I'm waiting for like some little car to pick me up and they're like, hey man, your freaking ride is out there. I said, there's the only thing out there is a stretch limousine. Where's my ride? They're like, that's your ride, dude. Get it? No, I get a stretch. I've never played a note with them. I'm like, what if I screw this up? You know, I'm in a stretch limousine. But that's what they had, you know, that's what the they provided to those people, you know. It was like a 60s cruise or something. Beatlemania was on it. And, um, you know, I'm at a press release. I'm like, when am I even going to play with these guys? And then we're like traveling around, you know, so they only want us to do one show on one day. And the other poor musicians in the band, you know, some of them are as good as me, maybe. I don't know, maybe better. And they're like struggling, you know, they got to play three sets a night in the dance band and, you know, sleep downstairs. We're on the star deck. So it just, it just is what it is, you know. Fortunately, they were very happy with, you know, the way I played their show and all that. And then they called me for other stuff. But the reason I traveled a lot, lot, lot is because I started something called Jazz for Peace. And I started that on 9-11. And I started doing uh, concerts to help outstanding causes all around the world. So that's where I started to go to places like, you know, I had been to some places now just with my own stuff. Like I've been to, you know, Brazil, Bolivia, lots of places in Europe. But then I started going places like the south of India, Nepal, Africa, lots of times to Africa, Pakistan, just all kinds of crazy places and crazy stories associated with all of them. Incredible. Well, we may have you back on someday and 
I actually would love to see what someday what album you actually would bring that like meant something to you or like inspired you to be a musician. Like I would love to hear that. Like so, we, we might do that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. The only reason I'm kind of doing this, I, I I propose this thing is because I I come up with crazy ideas and the crazy jazz repeats. Everyone thought I was crazy. Now people are like like you are like whoa man. I saw like I'm on a lot of podcasts because people like see what I did with it. But my crazy idea right now is to free Julian Assange, which I know sounds crazy, but I just think who the hell's gonna do it if I don't? So. These free improvisations, they're all titled Free J.A. I call them all Free J.A. And they're listed by number. And I'm up into the 80s now with these pieces. And I'm hoping, like, with Jazz for Peace, with the Benefit Concert Series, after I hit my 100th, people start taking notice. Like, oh, this guy, this isn't a drop in the, you know, this isn't a flash in the pan or whatever they call that. You know what I mean? He played 100, you know, maybe this is real, you know. So I'm hoping maybe someone will take me seriously. Get some traction. Maybe. But, you know, after the 36th performance, and I have no, I doubt it had anything to do with me, but I'd like to think so, but I doubt it. But anyway, the, the New York Times did join the movement, and the New York Times is on board with, you know, freeing Julian Assange. And they brought, like, five other media outlets with them around the world. Yeah. Big media houses. So there is, you know, a bunch of people. And I mean, you you probably know about that guy in the Pink Floyd. Roger Waters is on. Right. There's a whole list of people that are on board. So you know, a I'm not alone. That's a good thing, you know. And b um, under the radar is not is is not it's not a bad thing to be under the radar. Sometimes you know it's like you know I'd be dodging the dodging the bullets easier. You know what I mean or whatever. So. But uh, exactly. anyway, so that's part of the reason I, I get I get to continue the, you know, continue the uh, whatever it is the, the continue the uh, fight the good fight. The what? The fight. Yeah. The, fight the good fight. fight yeah. Yep. Fight the good fight. You're right. Yep. You're absolutely right. Which I'm not gonna lie, I totally had to Google who Julian Assange was because I didn't know the name off the top of my head. But I, the Wiki, the WikiLeaks guy, that's how I know. I, yeah, I knew. A lot of people don't know. They're just, you know, a lot of people. Yeah, they're just not in touch with it, you know. But see, I mean, the thing for me is that I don't really know what the hell their reason is for all this. And B, the thing I do know about him is that you know he's protecting things like journalistic integrity, freedom of speech, you know. Uh, bombing of innocent civilians i mean that's not cool i'm what am i you know i'm not gonna i mean you know if you if you attack a person who's reporting on the bombing of innocent civilians you're gonna get a whole lot of bombing of innocent civilians as nobody can report on it you know exactly and i those are those are a couple things i really do stand for freedom of speech it's always been one of my biggest platforms because i my mouth gets me in trouble a lot so um freedom of speech is one of the one of those things I stand for. I see both sides of the coin because I as well was very infuriated by that uh, video in Iraq where they, right. um, you know, where they took out the reporter and then that van full of people and everything like that. Right. But at the same time, I also understand what made it illegal in the first place is because uh, pri- private manning didn't follow the appropriate channels and whatnot. It sucks, but at the same time, I agree right. wholeheartedly that that should have been, you know, released to the public for transparency purposes. I mean, 
Well, you know, the thing is, it's like, um, you know, the here's what I think. Now, I'm not an expert on this, but my understanding is it seems like the private Manning thing, they're accusing her. Like, it's not it's not a slam dunk that she went through improper channels. I mean, she did steal some shit, I believe, or something, right? But Yeah, she was the one who gave that to Julian Assange but, for the... the, for the... Like, here's the problem. If you are a journalist, you can't say, hey, wait a minute, I can, you know, you can't give me slam dunk evidence unless it unless you can guarantee that you didn't steal it or whatever. I mean, I think, you know, that's on private Manning, really. The, 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 you know, it's, it's not, in other words, it's not Julian Assange's fault. Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I totally agree with that. I, I think Snowden stole some stuff. I don't think, I don't for think sure. But I don't think it's the fault of the, you know, I mean, the journalist. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that. I don't think it was. I don't think it was Assange's fault either. I just but, understand but, why the government was upset about it. Well, yeah, I mean, understandably so. You don't, you know, it's it's understandable. But I mean, it's it's a it's a dual thing because you can't for sure. You know, you can't you can't play both sides of the coin. You can't say right. You know, hey, we would never do that, and then exactly, exactly. But if you catch us doing it, you're going to kill you, you know. <laughs> I mean, not to, de- not to be a dead horse here, but I mean, as a paranormal podcaster, if the government told us everything that went on, I would never podcast. So you got, exactly. there's got there's well, going to be always know, some secrecy as, always. All <laughs> but, the, I mean, as a podcaster, you're, that's what I love about podcasting is that the, you, I, you know, these guys are able to, you know, express themselves and say the kind of things they want, have the kind of, you know, story that they want. They every all the podcasts are unique. They'll have all have their own little theme. You know, it's a it's a great opportunity for you guys to you know to do your thing. Exactly. I mean, yeah this this podcast here is more about just music. I mean, that's we 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 like to focus on the one good thing in life that everybody can access, and that's music. Well, everybody within most countries, I should say, because there are those countries that do ban music and like freedom of music. But in most countries, people when they are really stressed out and they're having a bad day. Like I did today, they can relate to music. They can, I put on some uh, dark half and scum, and Chanty knows what I'm talking about, but you might not. But they help me get through hard times. And but let's get into the first album here because I, yep. I I'm dying to hear. I'm dying to see how this episode's going to go, and I just want to see how it's going to go. Okay. But and Chanty, since your album is the more well-known one by far, we're gonna go with your album first. So, what album did you bring, and why did you bring it, Chanty? I chose the uh, Slipknot self-titled album. I felt the air rise up in me, kneel down and clear the stone of this. I wonder how well you can see inside Michelle, I wait and breathe. I felt the air rise up in me, kneel down and clear the stone of this. I wonder how well you can see inside Michelle, I wait and breathe. because uh when i heard about the premise of the show i was like oh i gotta hear what he's gonna be able to come up with when it comes to this because like literally the second song is just a barrage like it's almost a ballistic barrage of percussion just insanity encompassed in 
I think it's four by four. Wild grooves, right? I mean, the first good, it starts out, the whole thing starts out with this groove that's like, you know, I don't know, it's kind of otherworldly, right? I mean, it's it's not it's not your average uh, garage band, you know, throwing down a, you know what I mean? It's like a real, yeah. they have a unique, uh, they have a kind of a unique throwdown, it seems to me. I like how it flows from that very opening track straight into the uh, the second track, which is that that track I was talking about with all the massive percussions and yeah, right. sick. The, the second the second track on that CD yeah. is sick. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I... Slipknot definitely has unique sounds. That's why they. I mean, and it's funny because they're from Chansey's home state, Iowa, and one of our podcasting friends actually knew them when she was younger. Oh, really? Yeah, she actually knew them as before. She was actually in one of their music videos. I I can't remember which yeah. one, and I can I probably never could find her if I tried. But we actually her her and I actually also used to work with one of their newest members as well before they got in the band. The Tortilla Man. Wow. Oh, uh, and I, I actually, I actually saw Slipknot live myself back in 2019 before COVID. So, I, I mean, I, I love Slipknot. So when Chancey wanted to bring this album on, I was all for it because I was just like, hell yeah! I mean, it's don't get me wrong, it's by no means one of my favorite albums by Slipknot. That's for damn sure. But I mean, it's definitely, it's iconic in their collection because it, it, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be who they are today, and they wouldn't have made some of my favorite albums if they didn't make this album first. So. Well, I'm going to play something thinking of, you know, their their music, and then it's going to go from there to I have no idea where. Well, we love improvisation, so let's do it. All right, let's see what happens. Thank you. 
muted but um you know it's actually kind of i could hear slipknot on that i kind of can like if slipknot put that kind of into their music it would be like closer to the symphonic metal i listen to almost so like i could hear it like i i have the ear for that type of combination but i don't know chanty it's your album what did you think uh i mean i thought it was quite i thought it was interesting i, I mean it like I could almost hear like wait and bleed. Like, that's kind of why that's kind of what I heard over that is like wait and bleed. I was gonna say it kind of reminded me something similar to if Jaco Pastori played a piano, played piano rather than bass or something like that. Kind of had a that had a bit of a Jaco feel to it. That's interesting because I was watching a Jocko, a Jocko Pastorius documentary. I think it was either last night or sometime within the past 24 hours. I was checking out a Jocko Pastorius documentary that I hadn't seen. I didn't know about it. And I just, it just happened to come out. I mean, I just happened to be on online. I hadn't, I hadn't known much about it, but they had all these interviews with, um, you know, they had done all these interviews with uh, Peter Erskine, the drummer with Weather Report, and other guy, the other guy in Weather Report, uh, Joe Zawinol, and uh, 
another bass player, Dave Carpenter, who had passed away, and uh, just a bunch of these people, Paco Seri, a drummer, and they did all these interviews of people talking about Jocko, and they were, had little clips of him playing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he was very Oh, man, he was the best. You know, I played a tribute for him once in uh, New York, and his wife and his kid, who is now a bass player, and somehow I ended up in the car with, like, his wife and I with, like, this, I don't know, the guy who arranged it or something, we were all together, and and she just gave me, like, the, you know, you know, sometimes when somebody gives you the right compliment, you, like, go soaring, you know what I mean? And she just was like, she, I couldn't believe it. It was like Jocko's wife. And she's like, you know, of all the, cause I mean, Hiram Bullock was there. All these people played and she was like, what you played was so unique and it was so blah, blah, blah. And she just said these things to me that was like, you know, do you know what I mean? It was like, like nobody oh, could yeah. have said something so nice to me that night to me, you know, it was like, I just wish I could feel that high for the rest of my life. You know, I just felt it was just such a privilege coming from her. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I went back to Florida, and I've never seen I've never seen his family since since that since that night. Way back. That's in the awesome, night, though. Yeah, it was at a place called Zanzibar, and it was some kind of a tribute to Jocko. That's that's pretty awesome, though. That that I picked that up, and you were literally it, just it, watching it. Yeah, because you know, I probably know more about that documentary than I do about this band. I'd have to give it multiple listings you know i mean i what i got from the band i mean i got a taste of it but like not as much as i know about jocko because you know i've got I've, there's so many people i've played with that knew him and played with them and all that kind of stuff you know right yeah i have so much lineage with that with that person wow that's, that's awesome well uh just because this is what we here's hear, a funny so. story by the way so if you're familiar with uh pat Metheny, the guitar player all right. I'm not, but yeah. <laughs> so there's a Pat Metheny record called Bright Size Life. It's a famous record. Yeah. And, and on that record is Pat Metheny, Jaco Pastorius, and the first drummer, that the first well-known musician I ever played with in Boston, and his name was the drummer, was Bob Moses. And I played a gig with Bob Moses in Boston, who was the drummer on that record. Oddly That's enough. awesome. Yeah. That's that's amazing, but and just because it's the normal routine in the show, um, Chancey, what were the top five picks off your own CD that you had? Uh, so I actually had uh, two honorable mentions. Uh, one of one of the honorable mentions is Purity, and it's actually the it's the song they had to act, they had to remove it from the original releasing of the album. They had to re-release it without that song on it. Because it involved uh, information regarding like a kidnapping and a murder. Uh, number six is uh, No Life. Uh, number five is Liberate. Number four is Surfacing. Uh, number three is Spit It Out. Uh, number two is Eyeless. And uh, number one is uh, seven four two six one seven zero 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 two seven. Yeah, and I know Moose. He's a son of a bitch for picking the intro. <laughs> but and, well, slash six. So I put one and two uh, together. That, there, you, there you go. That's a little better. And I actually didn't listen. I didn't listen to the special edition of this CD, so I didn't realize that purity. Oh, and apparently someone agrees with you. 
I knew she would. Well, but for actually, Purity was Purity at one time was on the original copy of the self-titled album. It wasn't like they brought it back for the tenth anniversary edition. Well, I I didn't listen to the special edition of this album, so I didn't realize that Purity was on the album we we're supposed to listen to. I listened to the original release of it. No, no, but, no, you know, I I just added it as an honorable mention uh, because of the fact that it should have never have been removed from the original album in the first place. Uh, no, it shouldn't have, because I fucking love Purity. Like, that's one of my favorite Slipknot songs by far. Like, that's a classic, and I, didn't realize, sure. was, I didn't realize it was originally supposed to be on the CD even. Like, I just, I I downloaded my music back then on Napster and LimeWire, so I never realized, like... That was <laughs> how I heard it. From, that was how I heard it the first time, too. I never had these full CDs, like, until I was way older, but... All right, well, I have to add Pure, Purity as my number uh, seven, then, because I had honorable mention to begin with, but... My other honorable mention, though, as Jamie so cleverly put it, is there for humor reasons because I always heard as when I was younger as liberate bananas. <laughs> like I, 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 I always thought it was a minion song, like kind of thing, like almost. But and Jamie agreed. She says liberate is never eat my bananas, and she said she'll never rank the CD because all are number one to her. But uh, yeah, dude, I honestly. I basically pulled a Jeremy on this. Like, there is no, there is no numerical system to mine. They're all. Those are just the the those are just the songs that I chose to write down. Well, she's excited now because she can't pick this episode for the CD for a future episode. So she says she's winning. But, uh, but I mean, and my number five was surfacing. Because honestly, I can't call, I can't say I love this whole CD. Like, there's a lot of songs in this I just could live without. Like, that's just my opinion. Well, I'm not. I mean, not that's understandable. But number four was "Me Inside" because that song. That's one song. I yeah. Don't actually, I don't know if I've ever heard that song even, but it's, it's freaking, a good one. It's a good song. Yeah. Like, and number three, of course, is "Spit It Out" because that's one. The, the rest of these are all classics I heard before, but "Spit It Out" is number three, of course. Number two, yeah. is sick. number two, number two is one hundred percent sick. Because oh, for sure, you can't you can't kill me because I'm already inside you. Like that's deep. That's some well. Deep I mean, burn. also you forgot in surfacing. You can't see California without Marlon Brando's eyes. I mean, that's awesome, dude. I kind of get that. I kind of get that. But and the number one, of course, is the most famous track from this CD, I believe, in my opinion, at least, and that's "Wait and Bleed." Because that's one yeah. of the first, that's that's one of the first Slipknot songs I ever heard, and I love "Wait and Bleed." Like it's just classic. Like it's just classic. I mean, there are other CDs they've done where I could say I love the whole thing, but those are all pretty much 2008 and later. So, like it's just I I like I liked what Slipknot became more than what they started as, and I mean it's just it's not it's my style of music 100, percent but just. And I listened to this whole CD on the way home and freaking loved it. But I mean, and I, I mean, I started on lunch, but I finished on the way home and I freaking loved it. But I mean, it's just, it's the earlier stuff is just not 100% me. I can't get into it. I never could. And Jamie says, literally listening to all this all in order of the CD, I absolutely love it. And the deep lyrics, as you literally just said, Wait and Bleed became a radio signal release because it spit out, has a great moment in every concert they perform. Oh, but spit it out. Uh, and I agree. I mean, I don't think they played Spit Out when I saw them live. I honestly don't think they did. But I mean, they they so they, they usually play it at the very end. Oh, uh, if 
we, me and my wife left before the encore because we had to get home to the kids that her father was watching. So we left yeah. before the encore, but maybe uh, my cousin did say, I think, I think he did say sick and spit it out where the encore, but yeah, which I could believe. I mean, and that, cause that's when the mosh pit started according to my cousin. Cause we, there was no mosh pit the whole time we were there. And then like he said, that as soon as we left, like the encore started and that was like the mosh pit, but so. And yeah, she said it's a moment where everyone gets on the ground. Which I'm sorry I missed it. I'll see you again someday, Slipknot. I promise. I promise. But that's gonna bring us to the next. Well, let's never get to my my CD. The writing's on the wall. Will you go on and fool yourself? In no time you'll be done. Using to adjust yourself to the flow CD I wanted to bring for this because, well, once I knew what Rick's plan was, I wanted to bring this CD because I was trying to think of a CD that has some kind of piano on it already because most of the CDs I listen to do have pianos on already in some degree or another and or keyboards at least, which is a close second to piano. But And this CD, well, I wanted to bring it for Rick because I wanted to hear what he did with it. But also, I also brought it for Chansey because... He heard the, the Avantasia does trilogies of CDs basically, and like their CDs have storylines over them all. And he's heard the first CD in this trilogy, Ghost Lights, when Amanda was on the show. And my dogs sound like they're hitting bongs. I wish, they'd be lot, I, I wish they, they'd be a lot freaking calmer if they, if they did that. Thank you, but uh, puppies, I, I love you, puppies, but you're a pain in the butt. Um, but yeah, they do trilogies, and Chancey heard the first one, Ghost Lights, when Amanda was on the show way back when, back in, like, last summer. So, I I wanted to bring this one mainly so Chancey could hear the third one eventually. That Their newest release is the third one in this trilogy. And But I forgot how good this CD was until I listened to it again. Like, I literally forgot how good the CD was. When it first came out, I couldn't really dig it. Like, I liked a couple of the tracks, but I really couldn't dig the whole thing. That changed today. That changed 100%. Like, like it just changed completely, and I, I love this CD now. Like it's just it's it goes right along with every one of Avantasia's other CDs, which is incredible. Like they are just an amazing band. They're a super group. For those who don't know, and those who haven't heard me explain it before, they were formed by Tobias Samet from uh, Ed Guy, their UK band. <laughs> Enough, you monkeys, and they're a great band because they bring together so many great artists. I mean. The lead singer, the lead singer of the Scorpions, the lead singer of Mr. Big, like all these American artists have, or European artists too, have done work with Avantasia. Like Alice Cooper was on an Avantasia song, so I mean they've all they've worked with a lot of big people in the America and in, in the UK. And supergroups are always amazing to me, and this one just always takes the top. I love them, like they're just, and they speak about life, but like life in a spiritual way as well, which is great. So that's why I had to pick this CD because it was just 
two reasons, but I also want to hear what Rick would do. Rick would do with it because it's just it's already it, they lay they lay the line out for you. But let's see how you improve on it. hundred percent. Let's see how you improve on it. And yeah, uh, I mean it. It seems like you know, like it got some. It's like power piano with some, you know, really, uh, you know, just really. Um, you know, impressive vocals, right? Power, like this smashing piano with vocals, and they're just coming right out. They're coming like they jump right out of the box at you, you know? Exactly. So. Exactly. I mean, they just they they know what they're doing at this point. They've been they've been performing for twenty plus years, so they, they as a super group, they Tobias knows who they are. He knows they have a following, so they can go where they want now instead of just playing like classic symphonic metal about. Night's right. Quest and stuff like that. So, right, they can go in the more weirder, weird, weird realms now, and that definitely makes it a better album. All but right, yeah, I'm dying to hear what you have. All right, let's see what I got.
freaking blown at that one. Oh my god that i could hear avantasia singing that song for fuck's sake so oh my god like that's in incredible wow chancy what did you think of that yeah i i thought it was really good damn i i gotta ask have you ever actually released albums like of your own music i do I do. I have I have um, seven CDs under my own name. Nice. And then you know, like then they stopped. I mean, they stopped. You know, like then the record stores all closed, and they went to streaming. And you know, it's 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 a tough thing because you can't really put out albums because you know how are you going to sell them. First of all, right. I didn't even like when they went from albums to CDs, so they already had me pissed off. You know what I mean? Because I still like the old albums. I They should have never left that format. And then they went from CD to streaming, which kind of, you know, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to put out records and sell them if, you know, if, um, if people can stream them, you know? But uh, I don't know. Maybe some people are still able to do it. But yeah, I had... I was, you know, up until the streaming thing, I actually had seven albums out. And then I had appeared on some other albums. It's weird. I'm on a, I'm on a all-star, Brazilian all-stars. I'm on a CD called Brazilian all-stars, but I'm not even Brazilian. <laughs> Everybody else is hardcore Brazilian, but they thought I was, because I was in the Brazilian scene at that time. And I was playing with all these Brazilian bands. And, uh, People just thought I was—I must be Brazilian myself. Mis, you know, mistaken identity. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't mind. You know, it was kind—it's kind of a—it um, was kind of flattering, you know, because yeah, you know, I must be—I must be playing the shit correctly if they thought you know I was one of them. Right. I was one exactly. of their stars, you know. Well, I mean, I—I I loved that original. That was. Something that sounded like something. I mean, even the the lyrics sound like something that Tobias would write. So. Mm-hmm. I 100%. Damn. I, I won't get over that for a while, I don't think. But, Chancy, well, this CD I had, I had set, I had two honorable mentions for this CD as well. The first honorable mention, yes, Chance, I put his honorable mention, just not because I didn't want to piss you off and because it's too many other good songs for this one to be in the top five. But the first honorable mention is Maniac because I love their cover of it. I forgot they did, honestly, until I got to that song. And I was like, oh, yeah, they did do a cover of this. And I mean, that's funny. Avantage is not huge for co- not huge for covers, really. Like it's not their thing. I mean, a lot of symphonic metal bands I know like do like a cover every CD because it's just a way of paying respect to greats. But still, I mean, I don't remember them doing this, and it was I love that cover though. The other one was Book of Shallows because I love Book of Shallows. It's a see. This is another CD though where there's 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 tracks I could do without. Like I could skip over them if I wasn't trying to listen to the whole CD in one hit. But 
number five was Lavender because the lyrics. Like this song is very lyric heavy. Like like Slipknot, this song this Avantage is very lyric heavy and their music's great, but it's a lot about what they're saying as well. And yeah. Lavender, like the whole line of Lavender, like I wish I didn't have I wish I didn't have to see now what back that I didn't see. Like it's all about regrets in your past. And I can fully back behind that. Like there are so many things in my life that I could see now that I wish I didn't that because I either I wish I could have seen them then or I wish I didn't see them at all because just it's bad memories that's all it is like that's what it's about but number four was Starlight because that's that song is not even like it's got good lyrics but it's not like a lyric heavy song it's just it's more a music song because like when they their their guitar keyboard combos are always amazing like. They, they know what they're doing with that stuff. Number three was the title track Moon Glow. Cause it's just such a good, such a good song. Number two, though, number two, number one, like hit me heavy though. Number two is Alchemy. Cause it's all about redemption. It's you you it's what it's why people got into alchemy in the medieval ages, because you set out on the losing end and it's gonna make you whole again. Like you go to try to find what you lost and it'll make you whole again. Like, it's it's simple, but brilliant, the way they write it. I know, Munchie, right? And number one was The Raven Child, because that's always been the song in this album that stuck out to me. So many parts of it, but I mean, the line, sorry, I've been living a lie, a lonely heart, and an endless life. Like, a younger me can relate to that so hard. Like, and I still think about my younger me all the time. So, a younger me can relate that so hard, because... I lived a lie for a long time, just the lie of being happy. And that's just, so many people live that lie and they don't understand they are living that lie. So it's just like, that hits heavy to me, like so heavy. And plus at the end of that song, when he gets really deep with it, when the singer gets really deep with his voice and like does the whole part, like the whole story of that song is just freaking incredible. Like, and just the way they sing it, like I love when they go back and forth between like the slow tempo and the fast tempo. Avantasia does that so well. And, and like spreading your wings, trying to find your way. Like it's just, it's life. They sing about life. And that's what I love about it. Like it just, plus it reminds me of Icarus, uh, the, uh, the Flight of Icarus by like Iron Maiden. It kind of reminds me of that song in a way. Am I wrong? Chance? Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. I can, I can hear it now that you said it. Like, I mean, and everybody knows the story. Anybody who knows mythology at all knows the story of Icarus. And it's a very, it's, it's basically a story just to tell like, a moral like don't fly too close to the sun because you're going to get burnt like that's the basic moral of it and raven child kind of hits on that in a way as well but not in the same way but i i just i love this cd i mean it's not as good as their newest one which actually the newest one has my theme song for my other show on it so i definitely use that that cd every twice a week so but chancy what were your top five i'm dying to hear because i actually what do you think of the album chancy i haven't asked you that i Honestly, I mean, for I mean, for what it was, I enjoyed it. You know, you know how I feel about that kind of doom metally feely stuff. But it 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 wasn't as bad as some of the other ones. You know, it had good it had good riffs and it had good tempo. Some of the lyrics were really impactful and the melodies were always good. There wasn't anything sour or bad. Um, I mean, it's well, it's. It's their newer stuff. A lot of the stuff you heard, yeah. Some of the, some of the stuff you heard is older stuff. Some of the stuff you heard is their newer stuff. But I mean, right. This is, I think 
I think this is the third CD of theirs you heard, if I'm not mistaken. But I think you're right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Ghost Lights and the Scarecrow. But number five was uh, Starlight. Uh, number four for me was Requiem for a Dream. Mm, it's a good song. Uh, number three was uh, Maniac. <laughs> I can't believe you put a cover in your top five. That's hilarious. All right. Uh, number f- two was The Raven Child. Oh, okay. Now I'm really curious about what number one is. <laughs> The Piper at the Gates of Dawn. I had a feeling. I had a feeling because I, I almost, I wanted to put that song on the list so bad, but I just couldn't. I couldn't knock any of the other great ones down, and just I, you know me. If I if I get going putting every song on the list, eventually every song is gonna be on the list. So I had. To, yeah. I've been trying to control myself these last few episodes or last ten episodes, and like not do that. So, <laughs> I mean, because uh, the whole CD is just incredible. Like. Everything they do is incredible. Avantage is just such a good band. Like Supergroup. I mean, they're they're called Supergroups for a reason because they're super. Like they are just super. Like it's corny, but it works. Like that's what they are. They're super bands. Like they take the bet they take the best talent from other bands and they use it. I mean, they use they use guitarists, they use drummers from other bands that are amazing. They use singers that are amazing. I mean, Jorn Landay, who has been on a lot of Avantage albums, like any song he's on, I know it's going to be good. Michael Kiss K, any song he's on, I know it's going to be good. Like, I know a lot of these songs are going to be good based on who is on them. Like, yeah. It's the way it goes. I mean, Michael Kiss K's voice, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's in The Raven Child. Like, he's he's the deep voice, I'm pretty sure. I think sure. you're right. Yeah, I think so, you're right. Any song that he's on in Avantasia is amazing and Okay, now uh, I, I got to know what the hell he's from, but I know I know the name of the band. I just can't freaking think of it at this moment. Oh, yeah, he's from Halloween and Gamma Ray. Yeah, okay. I knew Halloween. I, I knew I could recognize him from somewhere, though. Yeah, he, he's from Halloween and Gamma Ray, two German bands, and he's an amazing singer. Like, I honestly had to give Halloween more of a chance because I never can get into Halloween's that. not bad for, for that kind of metal, like that, that genre. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. That 90s German power metal. <laughs> it's more 80s, but yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, am, I, am I wrong on that? Or I, A I, lot I, of I, Halloweens. Uh, I, well, no, he, st- he started Halloween in 93, so it was 90s. Really? Was it 90s? But, I you you, you got to remember, Europe was, a, Europe was a decade behind America in this music for a long time because of the Berlin Wall. That's valid. Like, they were behind us for a long time in this type of music because of the Berlin Wall, and then once it broke, they started loving all the music we did, so they made their own versions of it. But, honestly, I could do a whole episode on freaking <laughs> that theory right there, but... But, what do you... Rick, what do you think from the... From the little bit you heard of Avantasia, what do you think of them? Because, I, I mean, from a musician's standpoint... You know, the first thing I noticed was the quality. Like, they're... You know, you could tell that they are skilled musicians... Um, you know, like, um, a lot of bands, you know, you can tell that the guys like, you know, they're good friends in high school or whatever, you know, and they got in a band and they just, you know, hung out in the garage and they sound so great because of their synergy. You know what I mean? But I mean, part of the reason this guy's, these guys sound great is because the, the, each of the musicians is at a very high level. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know. I mean, there's two ways you can do it, right? One way is just 
sit there in the goddamn garage until the four of you, you know, get that magical feel, you know, get that vibe. And that's the way a lot of them do. But then, you know, there's there, there are a lot of super, the super groups kind of started at some point, I think in the 80s, labels kind of realized, hey, let's take John Wetton from this band on bass and put him with, you know, Yes's keyboard player. And, you know, they started doing that stuff and creating that stuff. And these guys are in between because I, I think, like, they're putting good players together, but they're also compatible. Like, they also, they, they have, you know, they like, you know, like, they want to play with each other, but they're also at a high, you know, it's like a combination of the two. It's a combination of throwing good players together, but also people that are in sync with each other, too. You know, like, they're both. They're, they're enthusiastic to play with each other. Yeah, That's I mean, what I mean, yeah. It's like... I mean, it's funny. I told the story before on this podcast, but Avantasia got Alice Cooper to, do, to perform with them for one song, which is an amazing song. I don't think I brought that CD on yet. It may have been on the Scarecrow, that song. I'm honestly not too sure. I'll top my head. But, but, I mean, and then this other band, Arion, another super group, because Europe has a lot of super groups in this genre, but another super group, Arion, got so mad about it that Avantasia and them actually did an album together uh, which was called uh, Lect. And basically, it was, the, the cover of the freaking CD was, there's only like four tracks, but the cover of the CD was Arion vs. Avantasia. And it literally had, <laughs> it, it literally had one each of like one other, one track from each band on the CD. And then they had a song called, they had a song, I believe it was called Elect, that they both did together with Alice Cooper. And then there was a fourth song that they did together as well. But I mean, it just, there's a lot of super groups I love. I mean, Arion is amazing. I'm trying to think of any, I'm trying to think of an American version of that. I just really can't. I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of an American version of that. I mean, you never heard like uh, Hell Yeah was a super group because it had I'm, like Vinnie Paul from Pantera and the couple of people from Mudvayne and then the guy from Nothing Face, I think is what it was. Uh, I never heard of them. I mean, um, I could see Advantageous music being used in a, like a, an Avatar movie or something like that, you know, in a movie by one of that, those that, that, that I mean, that's the thing about symphonic metal is they basically, like, I've brought these, it's funny, I brought Nightwish, I brought Avantasia onto this show and had people listen to them that never heard of them and they like come back and they're like, I freaking loved it. Like, I never thought I would, like, I heard turned it on, I heard power metal, and I was like, oh, God. But then I freaking loved it once I heard it. Like, it's just, they literally could do movie soundtracks. Like, yeah, it their... could. I mean, it, they they could, uh, or, yeah, I mean, I, I could see a tune of theirs getting lifted for a soundtrack or something like that. I mean. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Nightwish, which isn't even a super group, but it's just a symphonic metal band from Finland. They actually did a movie off one of their albums, and one of their and they and the movie is just a lot of the movie is there's one song they did that's in the movie, but the rest of the movie is just like their orchestral work, and it's brilliant. Like I've, I watched the movie, like it's hard to find if you want to, if you want to try to find Imaginarium, uh, go find it. It's a hard movie to find. Like I had to go on some internet website, I don't even remember, to try to find it and listen to it, but it's an amazing freaking movie, and like it's a the one song they put in it is an amazing song, but the whole orchestral part of it is amazing too, because it's Nightwish. I mean, just I people always hate on me because I freaking say that European metal is better than American metal by far. 
but it's because they have these dynamic sounds that American metal just can't match. They just don't match it. I mean, they don't even try. Like they just they don't hit like these notes that these European bands hit. I mean, I mean it's. I mean, I love American metal. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Disturbed, freaking uh, Papa Roach. I mean, Pantera. There's so many. There's so many bands in America I love, but. European metal is my favorite by far. Like I'll I'll go to that before I'll go to freaking American metal because it's just more iconic in my mind. It's more iconic. Like yeah, you may know, you may know uh, down with the sickness by Disturbed because everybody in America knows it because it was a video on MTV for a year, for like a year, and because it's been in movies and whatnot. But like you go to this European metal and it makes down with the sickness look like children playing instruments. Like that's literally what it looks like. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not putting it, I'm disturbed. If you ever hear this, I'm not putting you down by any freaking means because you're incredible and I love your music. To see you in concert would be amazing. But if you want to invite me, I'll do it on the show. Come on now. But um, still, it's it's amazing. Like, it's amazing. It's all amazing music, but it's just, it's a preference. Like, if it sounds like it's a movie soundtrack to me. You're doing your job right. Which some 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 disturbed songs sound like that they do, but I mean, just these bands in Europe release album after album of these type of songs, and it's just amazing. Like, and they have synergy. The whole album has synergy. A lot of American metal bands don't have that. Every song sounds different in their albums. Right. I mean, you listen I've to, been a, to Finland twice. Lucky man. That's lucky where the band's man. From, right, Finland. You said the yeah. one you were talking about. Yeah, Nightwish uh, yeah, from no, Finland. Yeah. I'll tell you something weird. I played for the president of Finland once. Oh shit! That's... Oh, it's a woman. Well, I mean, more power to them then. But yeah. Well, I was I I was brought over there to play for um, I've been there twice, but the first time was uh with was a play for that like they had the jazz awards, the country's jazz awards, the Finland jazz awards. So m- me and my trio, which were a couple of kind of high powered musicians playing with me, um, from an album I had that came out called Thought Provoking. And they brought us over to play. They had the jazz awards and we were like the featured band or something in the award ceremony, which is in this big hall, right? Hall of culture. It was like amazing hall, like, like a Carnegie hall type of place. So we played a couple tunes there and um, then they ha- added this other thing. They added it to the program and it was just the next day. And all it said on my schedule was presidential palace. That's all it said. And so I'm like, wow, there must be a bar called the Presidential Palace. It's got to be a joke, right? There's probably a bar there that they call the Presidential Palace, and they're going to have a party or something, and we're going to play a few tunes at that. That's what I thought. Because then no one briefed me about anything. And the next thing I know, they're like, now we're picking you up to take you to the thing. And they take me through checkpoints and this, that, and the other. And next thing you know, I'm at this freaking presidential, like the White House of... um, the White House of Finland. And they bring us like downstairs in like a basement. And uh, they had like a, you know, like a spread for us, you know, whatever sandwiches, that's that and the other. And while I was down there, like someone came down and wanted to talk to me. And they said, you know, the president was just like, if you could sing something by Frank Sinatra as part of the show, part of your set, the president, I didn't know who the president was. And so I, did I threw the song in and I said that the song was a favorite song of my parents, you know, blah, blah, blah. So now on the break, they come over and say, the president would like to give you a tour of the palace, the presidential palace. And then I find out it's this woman. 
And so it's me and this woman and her bodyguards, you know, and she's just tour giving me a tour around the palace. There was a waterfall in the place. It's like inside they had an indoor waterfall. That's awesome. In one of the rooms, yeah. And um, yeah, she's just saying all this stuff to me, how she, you know, she likes the same music as my parents and asking me questions about my parents. I thought she wanted to like, I thought she was using me to get party with my parents, actually. And, uh, <laughs> and then we had another set, you know, because they had turned that they had turned the living room into a concert hall. And then we had another set, and then we were playing an encore. And when we went to play the encore, by this time they were bomb, everyone was, you know, she was bombed. And um we're trying to figure out what to play. And I'm like looking at the musicians, like, hey man, what should we play? And all of a sudden I hear out of the out of the audience, you know. Play something of which your parents would love. And it was the drunk president asking me to play another song that my parents would like. Because she likes, that's what she likes. You know what I mean? So it was mm -hmm. a funny story. The other time I was there was with Jazz for Peace, my organization. And I was trying to help an organization. Uh, um, I was trying to help a saxophone player. Because, you know, in, in Europe, what happens is a musician in Europe has a very hard time of getting international recognition you know what oh, i mean God, yeah. because God, yeah. they they don't really recognize you outside of your country that much you know so it's kind of like a hero in his country but wasn't well known in the other countries like nobody knows about him in but then when i went there to do that i kind of got in trouble because you know like helsinki they want to control the jazz delivery you know they looked at me as someone who was like muslin. And it was almost like a drug dealer muslin and on the other drug dealer's turf. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, because, well, actually, two of my favorite bands were from Finland, um, Lordy and Nightwish. But, I mean, and Nightwish does some jazz stuff here and there, but they don't, it's not their thing. Like, they just they right. do some songs in it, but they... They try. They stay away from that style a lot. Like it's just. But like they're yeah. But they're 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 well known. You say in other countries, right? Oh, I mean, they're they're huge in America now. Like they got a fall. Like bands from Europe in the two thousands when the internet got big started getting a following in America. Like a lot of the bands I like that are from Europe, Finland, uh, Germany, England. Like they have huge followings now because of the internet. Like people uh, would never. Avantasia, Nightwish, Lordy. Just to name a few. I can't, even, I, I can't even think of more at this point, but just to name a few. Never would have got a huge following if it wasn't for the internet. Like, okay, interesting. People downloading their songs on LimeWire and stuff and like hearing them and just like, or like me going into FYE and picking up one of their CDs because the cover is freaking, the cover art is freaking incredible. And they just listen to a couple tracks on the freaking sampler and it's just like, oh my God, what is this magic I just found? And I mean, that's how I found Lordy. That's. Oh. Avantasia, I found because they're recommending me on something because of, on iTunes, I think, because of Nightwish. Okay. So, I mean, I a lot of my bands I found are through other bands, but because they're recommended and I gave them a list, and I was like, I think like Avantasia the Scarecrow is the first track I ever heard by them. It was freaking incredible. Like, I was like, I never knew music could make me feel this way. Like, wow. I mean, European music has changed my life, like, for the better, I would think. I don't think it's for the worst, for sure. I mean, it's just it improved my musical taste a lot. Like, because before that, I only liked American bands like Slipknot and like Pantera and like Godsmack and all those bands that like are huge in America. But I never really heard of European music, and they opened my they opened, they opened my eyes to a world of music and just 
never looked back, never looked back. And that's why I want to start the show is to get bands like this out there into the mainstream so people can hear them. Because pop culture in America, pop music in America is fucking horrible. I know. There's so much bad music released in America. I mean, it's like you can't even... It sounds like just like one guy in his garage, even right. A lot of the rap or whatever they sample something. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's the biggest issue nowadays. Is you don't gotta be talking about record label. You, I mean, yes, I love underground hardcore rap. I love underground rap. I listen to a lot of artists that people never heard of, but anybody can release a rap album from their parents, from the bedroom in the parents' house, or from their garage. And you know what? It may sound decent, but if you don't have the talent, eventually people are going to realize it and you're not going to go anywhere. But some of these, I mean, I like some of these artists since before they got big and they made it, but I mean, still, it's not going to happen for everybody and everybody shouldn't have the chance. I mean, it really shouldn't. Like, if a record label wants to, if a record label wants you to come in, like, as much as I hate this metaphor, because I hate the man, I mean, I don't hate the man, I hate his music to a certain point. Eminem, if Dr. Dre didn't hear one of his cassette tapes, and say, hey, come to California. I want to sign you. He would never be as big as he is today. Like, back, yeah. in, the, back in the 90s, he never would have got as big as he was today if he was just recording his garage releasing cassette tapes. He would have just been stuck in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, yes, a lot of a lot of great rappers came out of Detroit the same way. But, I mean, one of my favorite rappers, Insane Clown Posse, they, there they got big because the people liked their music so much in Detroit. And then they yeah. eventually, eventually they hit enough press from the shit they said and the shit they did that they got, yeah. they, they, they got worldwide famous because of that like once disney banned them and they like got big and they were on mtv late like at two in the morning like a lot of people who were up at two in the morning who were delinquents liked them and i mean i'm a juggalo so i'm not gonna hate on juggalos but i mean it is what it is you are who you are like a lot of juggalos are just people that most people wouldn't want to associate with and i'm one of them but I mean, I, know, I ain't no criminal, but still, like, it's just people that you would normally wouldn't associate with, but they found family. That's what it is. To start, to be successful in music, you need people who become a family by listening to your music. And that's how you get yeah. family. Like, it's just, and I'm going off on a rant here that I probably shouldn't go on in my show, but I mean, it is our show, but it is what it is. It is what it is at the end of the day, but... Rick, before some of, we wrap up. You, some of the bands you listen to are from, like you say, Finland, but also you. What were you saying, like West Berlin, East Berlin, or something? Oh uh, no, no, no! I, I was comparing the Berlin Wall to when European music got big. Oh, okay. Right. Oh well, no, no, to when European music musicians started listening to American music more, and they like liked what they heard, so they wanted to do the same thing. Oh, like, okay. I got like Ed, Ed Guy and all these European power metal bands that came out in the eighties and nineties because the Berlin Wall fell, and they heard this music, and they're like. Oh, I want to be like this. Like this is the music I want to make. Like uh, Ed Guy. Um, fuck. I mean, even Ozzy to a degree. I mean, Ozzy. I don't think was huge in America before that. Really. I mean, I'm not. Eh, That's I mean, not true. But Ozzy got to America. He got to tour America before that. So yeah, well, through Back Sabbath. Him. Yeah, for him there was a resurgence, right? Because he was. Yeah. You know, he a had a resurgence in the 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it had to do with his wife. Because she oh, I mean, all of it. All and and Randy Rhodes, yeah. Right. I mean, well, Randy Rhodes, yeah. I mean, that was just yeah. 
I mean, well, I, that I, was, but you know what? His wife orchestrated that too. Oh I mean, fuck yeah! With the, with I the mean, label. she she was actually uh, with uh, she was the rep the rep for the label. That's how Ozzy met her in the first place. I mean, she's just yeah. Oh, she's a hardcore. She's a great business person to have on your side. But bottom she, line, I mean, she is she. She fucked over and saying clown posse at one point, so I can't say I have a lot of love for her. But what she did kept she do? Out. She screwed over a band. She screwed over and saying clown posse at one point because I forget the full story, but right. Well, I, I think what, she. I think I think she was. My point. She's a good person to have on your side, but not against you. I mean, I think she was working with Disney at the time on Island Records, okay. and I think yeah. I think and she, she they signed to saying clown posse, and then they. Took their they took their album off the shelves like it was like the her CD. father her father was a big music mogul and yeah he hired his daughter so she had a kind of you know what I mean she had kind of a job like she had a job she couldn't get fired from you know what I mean kind of thing and I that's mean, how she ended up you know yeah. I think probably you know she ended up somehow you know uh involved with Ozzy through that for that reason. Oh, he I mean father's daughter father's daughter. I mean but I mean I also respect her to a degree because like if you read Motley Crue's biography, like Ozzy was walking around the streets of England wearing a dress, pissing in the streets and like she would come back and control him and be like, no, go back to your room. Go back to your room now. And like he would listen. Like so like he needed her. Like because otherwise he can barely talk now, for fuck's sake. I mean, well, imagine if he's really in bad shape. Yeah, I think he's I mean, really just real down for the count. You know, he's not. He's got issues. He's got health issues that are not gonna. I don't expect him to get better. I mean, I want you to hold your breath now. I mean, he's got serious I mean, health issues. But he did come back from. But the thing is, it all came together. I mean, he was out of it at the time, but he was. He was young. He was talented. He could be revitalized, and she revitalized him, you know, and hey, man, he had already done some classic work. I mean, that record, Sabbath, but he's bloody Sabbath, you know, so it, it it all came together. But I mean, without her, I don't, you know, who the hell knows what, what, yeah, who the hell knows what would have happened. I mean, she, he definitely needed her to, you know, bring the industry and the artists together. Oh, I agree. I mean, he definitely needed her to calm him down and because he, I mean, well, he also, was crazy. Also the little things with biting the head off the bat and all that crazy stuff. That was but staged. The, I mean, she kind of, I, I, I'm pretty sure she kind of, you know, knew what. No, that, that actually happened in Cedar Rapids. That well, was yeah, here. I think it happened first in a freaking executive room. Like he really. Oh, no, that was a, he, he bit, a, bit the head off of a, a bird. Yeah, that that actually happened, and he like messed up the whole record deal and everything. But the bad incident was actually legit. Like it happened in Cedar Rapids. Somebody threw a live bat on there because he was he 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 would do a gimmick where it was a gimmick bat, but this one was yeah, something like that. Yeah, she was orchestra. She was behind all of that, you know utilizing the shock value. I mean, you know, she was, she was all business. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah. she. Sometimes you need somebody that's all business to go with your music, you know? Oh, she, I mean, yeah, you, you do need it. It works, but right. Well, before we get completely into a wormhole here, as I like to say in my other show, um, Rick, yes. where can they find you? Where can they find Jasper Peace? Where can they find everything about you? Sure. So, um, 
jazzforpeace.org. This www.jazzforpeace.org uh, gets you to Jazz for Peace. And if you can, you see my name on the on the screen. So if you can spell my name, which is Rick Delarada, you can go to rickdelarada.com. You can also just, if you want to just get random stuff, you can actually go on Google and type Rick Delarada famous quote. Because for some reason or other, I, I gave an interview shortly after 9-11 and I said something in the interview and it just got lifted and it ended up on all the famous quotes websites. So like it comes up on sites in Finland, Russia, all over the place. It's really crazy. But it's on there with, you know, Einstein and Gandhi and, you know, Tesla and whatever. But I guess it was I mean, like 15 seconds of fame in the famous quote world. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the only thing Tesla ever says, help, they're they're abducting me. But I mean, ah, I mean, I, it's actually funny because I, I Googled you to make the art for, artwork for this show beforehand. And the first oh. thing that comes up is your website. But um, Okay, cool. But um, your website will be, of course, be in the uh, description of this podcast when it releases. So Great. people can find you and I'll put the Jazz for Peace website in there too and everything. So. They'll find they'll find you. Yeah, and you can email if someone wants to send an email. It's just info at jazzforpeace.org. Just plain old info at jazzforpeace.org. Yes, it is. I've been emailing that for about two weeks now, at least. So, (laughs) but uh, Chancy, where can they find you in your sexy beardness? Well, outside of the book of faces, I can be found on Instagram and TikTok. Under the Red Eye Roundtable, and on Twitter as Red Eye Table, and uh, you know here on Monaco Music Musings, which can be found on YouTube and all the other places that you're about to tell them about. <laughs> Damn straight, and of course you can find Chanty in the Void too, but. He, you can find both of us on Facebook as Paranormal New Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings Podcast with an S fake group. Name change coming soon. And you can find us on uh, Twitter and the gram as that Juggalo Bastard. You can find us on TikTokie as that Juggalo Bastard Podcast. And you can find us on YouTube as Maniacal Music Musings where these episodes are released as they come out in podcasts. If you want to see us streaming live on YouTube, you could find us on Blind Knowledge Network, because we are all blind until we get knowledge. But until next time, we want to thank Rick for coming on, because it's been an amazing show. I am incredibly, I didn't know which way the show was going to go, and I'm incredibly happy with the way it turned out, so I have no disappointments here at all. So thank you, Rick. It's I was nervous about tonight's show, because I just, it's not our usual format, and it's the first time we've broken that format, so I wasn't sure how it was going to go. But it, you know what? You opened my eyes that the way things could be different and they might be good. So we'll we'll see how things go in the future. And we definitely want to have Rick back at some point. To, I want to hear an album that inspired him to be a musician. That's what I want okay. to hear. Let's do that. So, yeah. Hey, it was a pleasure hanging with you guys. Really was. Enjoyed it. Well, we enjoyed it as well. Chancey gave out the rock the rock out sign, so he enjoyed it as well. And we will be back next week, musers. And thank you all for listening. What grove sacred grounds fade to vastness? Mother moon, cast your spell on these fields. Let the boughs paint ghostly shades on the trail to a different world. Well,
the castle looks out to the valley Where I'm given all the love that I crave Not afraid of the rising sun Laying bare my brittle soul Cold is the wind bringing forth clarity Time rushing on and nothing will remain There's no
scent of spring and cherry blossoms Sweet scent of rain They're calling you astounding How it is not the same it used to be When you're compelled behind the cradle on your own Perfection. What a backdrop for a diamond. 